All right. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Happy Wednesday. This is exciting. We got our buddy Matt here with us today, along with Charlie and Haley. How is everyone doing? The afterthoughts. We're doing yeah, fine. Yeah, you guys are here all the time. <laughs> wonderful. Doing wonderful. <laughs> all right, well, thank you, Matt, for being gracious. And uh, Charlie and Haley, you got what you got. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is exciting. Uh, well, I've known Matt for years. He used to be with us here at ConvertKit. He actually was the guy who onboarded me when I got started. He was my go-to guy that taught me where everything was and helped me figure out what the hell I was doing half the time. So, You know, I still have like a, um, it's still hard for me to believe that, that Raglan doesn't work at ConvertKit. You know, like I still associate him so heavily to ConvertKit that I'm like, where's Matt and Slack? I like, I might like go to message you in Slack and just, you're just not there. Oh, you just text me. What she's saying is we miss you. Yeah. I miss being there. I really do. Like I miss my friends at ConvertKit. So, which is why I I text or DM y'all occasionally and probably will do so more now. (laughs) Love it. Well, there's something else exciting about Matt too. Not just that he used to work with us at ConvertKit. Uh, is that recently he became a full-time creator. He was working as the, what was your title, Matt, at at Podia? I was director of creator success. That's right. Director of something (laughs) is pretty, is is accurate enough. Yeah. So Matt went from being the director of creator success to like leaving that job to like do his own thing full-time, to be a full-time creator, which is pretty special, pretty exciting. It's a leap that a lot of creators dream of making, right? And you did it. Yeah. You did the thing. I did it. I know I did the thing and it is very exciting. Yeah. And I'm sure I know we'll get into it, but it was really, I think one of the things that was very interesting for me is that when I left ConvertKit to go to Podia as the director of creator success, that was one of like a really big goal that I had for myself professionally. And even though I had it in the back of my mind that eventually I would like to be a full-time creator, I really, for a long time, you know, just wanted to do it on the side. I wanted to see like how much I could automate. And I had a great job at another great company. And so in some ways it was weird to think about as I started to make this transition to thinking about becoming a full-time creator is like, well, who am I to leave like a really great job with people that I like (laughs) at a fast growth startup again (laughs) to do this like thing just on my own. And there's construction now. I don't know if you can hear that in the background. <laughs> we, so, we uh, I'm sure that didn't come up at all. <laughs> so it was really like that, just trying to get over that like mental hump. Like that was like kind of a weird thing that I didn't expect initially. I thought, you know, eventually it'd just be like, well, I'm fed up with this. I was like, no, things are good. Can I leave something that's good? Am I allowed to do that? Oh man. Yeah, that's a good point, Matt. It's like, uh, it's way, yeah, be one thing if like, oh, I'm jumping off this sinking ship, you know, thank God it's, uh, no, this ship is perfectly fine. It's safe. It's cushy. I get warm bed and three meals a day. You know, why would I jump into the ocean? You know? So. Yeah. I referenced on a, on one of our, I don't, I don't know. We've only done, this is only like our, what, fourth, fifth, fifth episode. So one of the ones between zero and five, I referenced the video that you had posted uh, about like tech Matt talking to entrepreneur Matt. And that video, I love that video. I've watched it like three times, maybe five, but it just makes me laugh because it's so accurate. And it's just, it's a great depiction of exactly what Miguel just said, which is like, oh, here's this, you know, cushy thing that I'm doing. 
safe, fun, enjoyable, good people. I mean, I'm just, I'm out. I'm ready. I'm ready to leave. You know, it wasn't quite that simple. How did you make that decision? How did you, like, how did you decide? How did you take that leap? What, what led to that decision? Yeah. Well, one of the things that, one of the things that I mentioned is I really for a long time had thought about how could, how much and how well can I automate this system that I have between like, you know, obviously email marketing with ConvertKit and I had, you know, like YouTube as a platform that was going really well for me. And I had like these courses hosted on Podia. So everything that we talk about from, especially a digital content creator, you know, and coach, you know, kind of educator, I understood how that whole loop worked. And I was like, how well can I automate this so that it can make me like a really decent, if not really good side income. And I was really focused on that. There were a couple of things that after having done it for a couple of years, very intensely, and trying to like break through a new, like not just like subscriber goal, but also like revenue goal, like how I wanted to have like consecutive 10K months as like on my side hustle. And the best way that I found to do that, you know, I did launch a course that did well, but I also uh, launched a like, you know, group mastermind program. And so we met once a week to like go through these different productivity frameworks and how it could help them like be more productive, be more focused, get more done in less time, just, you know, manage everything about their digital lives and workflow. And that went, that went really well. Like that's kind of how I did the back to back 10 K months. I did, uh, I did a course launch and then I did a mastermind for, it ended up being a little over two months. And so both of those things went, went really well. And the coaching, the mastermind program, especially I really enjoyed. And it kind of all culminated into me realizing one that I'm, I'm good on live video and I'm a good teacher. And so like, that's not right now, especially for me, it's not easy to scale that <laughs> because that mm. is time. And no matter how much like I'm charging, say, to be a part of that mastermind, you know, you want to charge more as you get more popular and have more clients, but it's still like the same amount of time. Like you can't mm. like really scale that time. And that all culminated into me realizing that there was more things that I wanted to do than I could fit into a side hustle time. And that the best way that I worked, communicated with others, taught others and produced revenue for my side hustle and eventually for my business was going to be through this practice of, you know, getting one-on-one or one-to-some on video and being really connected with my clients instead of just being like, Hey, here's this self-service course, go through it. Let me know how it goes. Like I'm not right now. Like I'm not best serving people in like just this evergreen loop. I still am putting things together in that way, but people want to have access to like the people that they want to learn from. And, you know, we're seeing more and more of that, um, I think as, as course creation and especially course leading gets more and more popular, like it has over the past 18 months. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like when you hear you kind of go through that process, one of the things I can't help but think of is, you know, at some point you need to transition your side hustle. And if you decided to go f- transition it from a side hustle to your main hustle, I mean, at some point your creative side of things 
is, you know, you're making concessions so that you can make this happen on your side time. On top of your job, you're also, you know, you're a dad, you're a husband, you got other stuff that you got going on. And in order to really be true to what it is that you're trying to do, at some point, something's going to suffer, right? And you just have to decide what thing do I have to cut out in order to, mm. so something isn't suffering. Mm -hmm. And it appears you made your choice. And that's really interesting to me because not everybody would maybe make that choice. So I wonder for you, Matt, if, um, cause I don't know, you, you sort of touched on this at the, at the start, but then we, we changed track, but becoming a director, a company director was really important to you in your career, you know? And so was it that you achieved that career goal? right? That was a career goal that you really had to achieve at a company, like working in a job. And once you did that, it was kind of like, well, now I've achieved that. There's nothing really holding me back. And like my next career goals are the stuff that I want to do in my own business. I wonder if, if that was the case. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point and perspective. I think, I think that's true. I wanted to have achieved that. Like that was a really specific goal for me. And then when I was there, I also looked at it as like, okay, you know, what's, I'm very, for better, or for worse, very ambitious, like goal oriented person. <laughs> and so thinking about like, okay, I'm here. What is the next step? Like, what do I do past like director level? And it wasn't even so much like being in a different role. I wasn't as focused on that, but like, how do I get better and better at this role? And I remember talking to some other mentors and talking to my dad, um, and being like, okay, well for me to really take the next step on this, I'm going to have to like get the way that I perceived it and the way that I saw a lot of, um, like, uh, things moving in terms of like tech, tech and software products was, the best like direction for me was to get really good at like the data analysis, which is something I was starting to do towards the end at ConvertKit also. And so I was balancing this between like, okay, for me to get really good at this, it will take more effort than even I'm currently putting in to my job. And so I saw like the direction and I think sometimes a little too analytically in terms of time. It's one of the things I talk a lot about on my YouTube channel as well. But like Miguel, you were saying in terms of that trade-off, I was like, okay, I'm going to either have to work even more, which I was already working a bit more than I desired to, or I'm going to have to trade in the time that I'm giving to my side hustle to basically go to night school for data analysis. And was I willing to do that? Or the other thing would have been like, am I willing to go to a different company, kind of take maybe sort of a step down, that wouldn't have been the biggest deal to me if it was the right fit, but to like be very clearly like you're almost like a junior data analysis <laughs> and analyst and you, this is going to be like your life for the next two to three years. I was like, do I want to do that to like really level up? And even if I level up on that, like, what's it going to be? Am I going to start my own company? Like software company? Am I, do I want to be a VP of product somewhere? Like I didn't feel as strongly about either of those things, especially in the trade-off of I either have to spend even less time with my family or I have to like basically not do the side hustle as much. It would just be like, it would kind of go back to being, and not that there's anything wrong with this, it was really good, but go back to being a YouTube channel that would post videos once or twice a month if I had time and if not, that's okay too because like I'm, at a fast growth company and I'm really you know, invested in that aspect of it. And so it really did come down to this trade-off, like 
if I'm going to put this extra time in to like this next level of my career in software, it was going to necessitate a trade-off with my side hustle or my family. And when I thought of it in terms of like those three things, if I had to choose between next level, uh, trying to level up in software, something that I also don't control that much as well, like whatever the next step like that would be, less time with family or really downgrading my side hustle time. Uh, I was like, okay, if one of those three needs to go, then I just need to step away from what I was doing in terms of like full-time product at, you know, at Podia. I'm curious if you could touch on like your productivity level when you made that switch, you know, like for such a large portion of your, I mean, obviously you speak about productivity on your YouTube channel a lot, but there's something different about being told that you have to do something or having expectations from another team that you have to do something right. And then going off and working on your own, where did your, like, did your productivity, as soon as you made that switch, did it drop? Did it increase? And what did that cyclical cycle look like? And then when did it start to level off to where you started to like really figure out how much time is needed to be an entrepreneur successfully? Yeah. Well, I think I'm still definitely figuring that out. <laughs> but the thing that was surprising to me, and actually um, Ali Abdal uh, talked about this, uh, I think sometime last year when he kind of made even more of the transition to like, I'm Ali Abdal YouTuber, not Ali Abdal med student part-time mm-hmm. YouTuber, which is also the name of his course, which is wonderful. But he was like, I think the first week that he was working for himself full-time, he's like, he tweeted something about that specifically. He's like, this is my first week working my, for myself full time and I've gotten like nothing done. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about that a little bit. And, you know, what's interesting is because I have more time, I have started to like fit more things into it. Hmm. So ironically, I haven't really been more consistent with YouTube since I started being a full-time YouTuber. <laughs> like I have a video ready to go today but it's my first video in three weeks. And I never would have thought to myself, like even three months ago, I started this like, hey, within three months, you're not going to be doing weekly YouTube and certainly not twice weekly YouTube like you kind of thought about. The two things that it has given me are, as I mentioned, like more creative time to fill with other projects as much as I want to do those. And so I did start a podcast that has taken up time and then... And I have been consistent with the weekly podcast so far, ironically, but I've started a podcast. And then in February, I started sending daily emails to my list and I'm in week three of daily emails. And there is a part of me that kind of thinks like, okay, why are you distributing your creativity across these different mediums and platforms now? Maybe with all that time that you are spending on daily emails and your podcast, you could very easily... (laughs) get to that weekly YouTube cadence or that twice a week YouTube cadence. And I am very intrigued just of that question to myself, but also one of the things that I looked forward to and still look forward to when it comes to working for yourself is that for better or for worse, the buck stops with you. And so if I want to pursue these like ideas or like different creative outlets, like let's get back into email writing, like really, really intensely. Let's um, start a podcast and see how that goes. I have the freedom to do that now because like in the past, I never would have been able to do like multiple things at once, 
even at the level that I'm doing it now. Like I've said, I wish I had, you know, a weekly YouTube video, but the fact that I've sent three weeks of daily emails, still do a weekly podcast and have done two YouTube videos this month, there are plenty of months in the past four years where just doing two YouTube videos was like a huge, like (laughs) Herculean effort. And it still meant like, after my wife and I put the kids to bed, I go work for an hour or two, or like I wake up early on the weekends to like make sure that I get those, you know, just those two videos out. So it's not that, you know, for some things like say the, what people know me probably the most for is YouTube videos. The YouTube video cadence has been a little bit better, but certainly not great, but it's, it's everything else that it's allowed me to kind of dip my toe in and experiment with while still staying semi-consistent with YouTube and like working very few nights, weekends, uh, which were, which had been become pretty much the norm for me for two or three years. Man, that must be nice. That is nice. (laughs) She says being a side hustler on the side of a full-time directed job right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that you were like you working at ConvertKit or Podia was never your true path. Like I always felt like your creativity was squashed by like, the corporate world, the startup world. And I say that recognizing that ConvertKit is such a place and Podia is a place that like desires to serve creators, but it's still very different than being like a full-time creator, you know? And so like, I think that also it was like the type of role that you served, right? Like your customer success. So you're in a situation where you're not necessarily, like Charlie's in a, in a position a little differently, I guess, where her whole entire job revolves around creativity. You know, you might be measuring data and analytics centered around creativity, but I don't know if necessarily your role at ConvertKit, and I can't speak to it to Podia, if that like fueled your creativity, you know? I guess my point is I always thought that this was the path for you. I always thought that you were like being hindered by being somewhere else. You couldn't fly. You couldn't be, you know, you couldn't be the mat. Like you had your wings spread free. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially like seeing you, you know, on, on stage at craft and commerce, like that was where you were meant to be to me. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. That was a big moment. That was a big moment for me to be on the stage at craft and commerce. Um, cause one of the things that I've told people about like just my journey as a creator and one of the biggest benefits to being a part of the community and the company and the people at ConvertKit and then at Podia too, is that you get to engage with all these different creators, like literally thousands of creators that I've communicated with <laughs> from like the Tim Ferriss's of the world to like the person who's just like, I'm signing up. What's a broadcast again? Where's the newsletter? <laughs> yeah. Where's the newsletter yeah. button? Like, <laughs> yeah. where do I reply to the email that someone sent me? <laughs> like, no, 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 it's, that's not in ConvertKit. <laughs> so there's like this huge discrepancy, but especially being around some of the people that, uh, and craft and commerce especially, but being around many of the people that I admired for, and still admire for a long time, and just saying like, these people are great. I can see why they're successful. I can also see that I'm not that far away. There's not a lot that separates us. Like it may be like a great idea that I just have, you know, haven't come up with yet. Or just like, I also think that a lot of it is, and I I've been writing and talking about this more lately is that I believe that there is a lot to be said about just putting in the work, like putting in the reps 
or the, the rounds of effort to like become great at something and to master something. And so this was another catalyst for me taking the next step and moving into my own company and becoming a full-time creator is that like, say like when I say like completing a rep or doing a round of creativity, I mean like publishing the video, you know, so, but it doesn't just have to be like about one particular platform. It's publishing a video, it's publishing a podcast, it's writing that email, it's shooting a lesson for your online course. Every single time like you create and publish something for the world, like I think of it as a specific repetition or round of creative effort. And I saw a real like tipping point in the momentum for my YouTube channel when I hit around a hundred videos, it was actually right around a hundred videos that I got to 10,000 subscribers. And I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. When I like researched some other like YouTubers and creators, that's actually like a pretty good growth trajectory, like something that's gone around the interwebs recently. And I, I picked out last fall was I was doing some research for a Podia project about like just that consistency of effort. And I found a video from MKBHD, Marquez Brownlee, where this was like seven years ago. And in the title, it's the only reason I found it. It said, exciting YouTube milestone. And I look at it, I was like, I have to find out what seven years ago Marquez is talking about. As an (laughs) exciting milestone. Yeah. As an exciting milestone. Because he's MKBHD. Like he's a huge deal. And I go look at it and one, he's like in high school, maybe. (laughs) And he's like, Hey everyone, I just, I wanted to share this big YouTube milestone with you. And, um, I have a hundred videos, a hundred videos made. This is video number 100. Thank you so much for watching all these videos before that. And I was like, Oh, cool. Because I've long thought that what matters to creators early on, as you're making your, you know, as you're making your journey through this is focus on like the number of things, the number of rounds instead of the number of subscribers, because Mm -hmm. like you can control getting to 10 videos, to 50 videos, to a hundred videos. Yeah. Not saying like, oh, it's gotta be a thousand subscribers by like this made update. Like you can make videos, (laughs) you can write emails. And so I was, just when I heard that first little thing, I was like, ah, that's so cool that even this far back, Marquez was focused on like, I'm going to get to hundred videos. So he's talking about this. And then he's like, and let me just look, see how many subscribers I have. I was like, Ooh, well, this will be interesting. I had 10,000 subscribers around my hundredth video. So I wonder what he was like. He's like 76 subscribers right on y'all. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Wow. Cause Marquez, for those of y'all uh, listening and watching who aren't as familiar with him, he has over 13 million subscribers now. And he's made over well over a thousand videos. And I was like, oh my gosh, the MKBHD had made a hundred videos and had less than a hundred subscribers. Like people compliment me for saying like, hey, you made 60 videos before you had a thousand subscribers. I was like, yeah, you know, it's pretty great of me for sticking with it. And then I watched (laughs) this and I was like, oh, you know nothing, Jon Snow, (laughs) about about this. (laughs) This is such great to hear. This is really good for me to hear personally. I think one of the things that uh, when we launched creator sessions that Nathan always says, I was actually looking back at like early on in our base camp conversations, right? And he was saying, there's going to be a point where you want to quit like two years in because it's not going to be where we think that it should be. And you just have to keep going. You just have to keep pushing through it. Right. Sometimes that concept seems foreign to me, you know, like that concept of pushing through something that might not be working, like just keep doing it. 
because ultimately you always want to see that your work is having like an impact on people. But I loved that story because it it applies to me directly. Yeah. Obviously, that's probably why he made it now, right? Like he has 13 million because he created 100 videos for 76 subscribers, Mm -hmm. you know, like they are related. That effort that he put in, you're right. He did the rounds and he well deserves it. That's yeah, that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Listening to this reminds me of something that we talked about with Ben a little bit is. Okay, go into Ben instead. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to go to Ben instead. No, but it ties into this, which is, um, you know, he had it in his head that I'm going to do 100 podcasts. Mm -hmm. Do you guys remember he was talking about that? He's like, I'm going to do 100. I remember that. And that served him really well, you know, around 50 and 60 and 70. And then things kind of changed for him after he passed that 100 mark because so long, you know, you've been kind of chasing that carrot. And then once you get it and, you know, I guess you had it in your head, like, once I get to it, everything will be fine. Or once I get to it, I will have figured out what to do. And like, it'll all just like click. And that's not what happened for Ben. So hearing you talk about like hitting that milestone of a hundred, you know, it's always kind of, it it kind of stuck with me him saying that uh, you, Matt, are one of the most like purposeful and uh, deliberate people I've ever met. Like, I feel like you're one of those people that like knows their chess moves 15 moves ahead of time. (laughs) Like, at least that's how I see you. Uh, That's the impression I have of you. So, you know, I wonder, did did you ever deal with that as well? Or did you think far enough ahead? You know, did your master, your chess master, Matt, know what to do after hitting these milestones? or, Or what was your experience? Yeah. Thanks for saying that. That's kind. And sometimes I feel that way in terms of like the chess, besides not knowing how to play chess. (laughs) And despite watching Queen's Gambit, which I thought for sure would teach me, I was going to say, yeah, were you laying in your bed looking up at the ceiling, you know, the chess pieces? And my wife was like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, (laughs) so the like realization of that, like 10, 100, and I would even play it out to like, if you continue 10 Xing, like out to a thousand rounds, like you look at Marquez with over a thousand videos, Casey Neistat over a thousand videos and like lots of people you can look at, have, you know, hit that big, big milestone. And I would say, cause I was thinking about this in comparison to what Ben was talking about. And I do think that it's interesting. I'll just talk about that for a moment because I think that two things happen, even if you decide to not pursue that particular niche uh, post 100 videos, because I do think 100 is an important milestone for momentum and like building expertise, building an audience. If you think about it, it's also good for like any kind of like new thing that you want to do. I guarantee like if you go do 100 workouts this year, then you're going to feel better about working out. Yeah, could be anything like that. So I think 100 is a really key number for momentum. But the other thing that it'll help you with is that uh, you can, you will build confidence in what you're able to do by doing it like 100 times. Yeah, that number can kind of vary. But I guarantee that Ben, when he started his new podcast, felt a lot better (laughs) about starting his new podcast after having done a hundred episodes of the other one. And people who were following him on that podcast are like, oh, well, I like Ben. I trust Ben. Ben wants to talk about something a little different. Awesome. (laughs) No worry. You know, I, I just want to like hang out around him. I'm glad he started a YouTube channel too with his Hemsworth brother looks. 
And oh, you know it. <laughs> Don't get Haley started. <laughs> I mean, I've I've just I've thought about how many times I wanted to bring up your hair because you also have great hair, you know, like Ben does. But then I held back because I didn't want to be repetitive, you know. <laughs> Which uh, Hemsworth brother does Matt look like, Haley? Get it out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They all have blonde hair. I can't. Matt's a whole separate species of fit. You know, we all know this. So the the BMI, the BMI is still high. It's or low. It's good. I had to throw it. I had to throw it in there. The BMI is quality. We're we're really losing our podcast listeners because no. Yeah, let's get back on track. Uh, Back to it. Back to it. Reel it back in. Now they're all going to come to the YouTube channel because I want to see how fit Matt is. Yeah. Uh, You're going to have to go back in the archives a little bit. uh, Anyway, so Miguel was also asking me about like. Did I ever have like these moments of doubt? I guess basically, yeah, right back to that. And there are a couple of things with that. One is just that, yeah, of course, of course I did. But that's where you have to like early on be making something that interests you, even if you, and that can sound like kind of a cop out to to some people because you're like, yeah, okay, do what I'm interested in, of course, but what else if no one, what about if no one else is interested in it? And I can totally understand that. I remember Chris Gillibo talking about this years ago is finding this convergence between what interests you. If you look at it, I think like Venn diagram is the proper term, but this overlap between what interests you, what other people are interested in and what can make you money. Like that's a great (laughs) creator convergence of interests and talent. And I think about that a lot because early on, I do encourage creators who are really early on in the process that if you want to do this, then the most important thing that you can do is just start making things. And it doesn't have to be about a specific topic. It doesn't have to be about a specific niche. Often that will cause you to get stuck because you're like, I don't have any ideas for my topic this week. And then I guess I don't have anything to say this week. Just say what interests you, like go into all these different topics and that will help keep you engaged through like some of these, (laughs) some of these lean times when you think it should be going better. But the other thing that it'll help you with is like, as you're building this volume of content, and this is my story in it is I didn't have a video go over a thousand views until my like 65th video, somewhere in the sixties. All of them were under a hundred views. And even still, like you go into like the backlog of my first year and a half, like those first 50 videos, there's still like around two, 300 views. I mean, people don't watch your backlog (laughs) for the most part. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Charlie is a beauty blogger back in the day, you know? (laughs) Yeah. There we go. And so you can kind of move yourself past this period of self-doubt or is this really working just by staying interested in the thing that you're making. And if you're making something for yourself, you can also think of it as like serving a, like a very, very small niche. Like if you know that you are helping or informing people with a particular thing. And I think early on, if you're not doing it necessarily with the expectation of money, like I think that most creators wait way too long to start monetizing, but early on, it was definitely a gift for me working full time to be able to make stuff without the expectation of like, well, how am I going to monetize this? Because then I could keep a pretty diverse set of content to keep myself interested. I wanted to like, think about how 
I was helping people like very specific example, like different ways of doing customer interviews. I was like, I remember early on, I did a couple of videos about the jobs to be done framework that I was doing like at ConvertKit at the time. But then I also just liked making videos because my oldest son, who was my only son at the time, <laughs> I was like, it'll be cool eventually for him to like see, I don't know, he may not think it's cool, but uh, <laughs> in my head, I was like, it's going to be cool that I like, I'm making these videos and he's going to be able to go back and like kind of watch them and say like, we were doing these things. And this is what, this is what life was like, because I was thinking, I was like, it would be cool if like my dad had a YouTube channel or whatever back in the day. And I just be like, man, what was life like for my dad when he was in his mid thirties <laughs> and with a couple of kids, like, wow, I would like, especially now, like I would watch that like nonstop. I would find that so interesting. It, even now, like I wish that I had, and this is kind of an interesting you know, perspective on just creators and like finding your niche, finding your voice, finding your topic is really, really valuable because you have to be able to communicate to the viewer what they can expect from you. But at the same time, I'm kind of going back into like this phase and it feels a little odd of like, I wish I had more of that, like let's just ship something energy because I don't have that as much right now. Hence why I haven't created a video in three weeks or published a video in three weeks. I'm like, well, it has to be about the bullet journal or it has to be about productivity. I can't just be like, hey, look everyone, we're here at the beach and it's great and it's sunny and we like being here and this is our family. I don't feel like I can really do those videos. And even when I try now, like, you know, just take some raw, you know, like iPhone video and like, or the GoPro or something I'm like, this is silly. I'm not going to do this now. <laughs> no one, you know, it's going to get like 300 views again because I have done some of these videos and it's just like the interest is not there enough. So I'm like, okay, you know why? So it is interesting. I'm like, it, there is like a little bit of like, why bother with it if people aren't going to watch and. But if it helps you find your spark again, then, you know, yeah. maybe it's, maybe it's worth it. Yeah. Hey, you talked about money before and I, I want to ask you a question. What were you, and I like, I guess I just hinted at what I think the answer is to this question or like what it would be for me, but what were some of the things that you were afraid of when you made this leap? Like, did you know for sure that like, okay, it's all right. I can replace my salary with this side hustle income. We're going to be fine. Was that a concern or not? What were the things that concerned you about making this leap? Yeah, definitely. I wanted to go into it knowing air quotes for the podcast listeners knowing that I could replace my salary pretty quickly. I did have some savings built up. I would say that between, between the money that I felt confident through like sponsorships and coaching and launches, I felt pretty confident that I could give myself a minimum like six month runway if I just tried some <laughs> And obviously I'm trying really hard. So it's like, even if things go just barely okay, <laughs> like half of my salary, then I have enough saved up that I could do at least six months, maybe close to a year if we budgeted really well. But I didn't really take that into consideration because I don't budget really well. <laughs> and so that wasn't like, hey, maybe if I budget really well, which I've never done, then it could last a year. It's like, no, it's probably going to last six months. <laughs> so, 
so that was that was kind of my that was my runway and that was also like my expectation of bare minimum should be you know at least half of what my salary was but like my goal my expectation is to replace my salary every month and it is interesting to think about that from a creator perspective now there are like i make money through one-on-one and group coaching through courses through like paid short workshops so whether that's just one day or maybe like a five-day thing that we'll do and then I do make some money on YouTube sponsorships, podcast email sponsors, so content sponsorships, YouTube ad revenue. Charlie, as you know, I don't know, I don't know, you know, how yours is, but mine is like like a good month, it's a tenth of my income. So like people are asked, like, oh, your YouTube ads must do really well. It's like they do not good at all. <laughs> <laughs> and they and I was like, it's all these other things. And so I do have multiple streams of income, which is, you know, it's just obviously great because I don't want to be in a situation where I necessarily have to feel like, okay, another month, another launch, even though I will say like, I've talked to lots of creators and they're like, yes, it is another month, another launch and not in a bad way. They've just figured out a system for themselves or it's like, yeah, people who weren't ready to buy last month, they're going to be ready to buy this month. I'm not going to wait another three months. <laughs> they may not be ready to buy then. And so I do have more launches, but ideally for me, like in terms of a revenue projections, my plan, my projection is that like coaching from the one-on-one in the group perspective provides very close to replacing my like full-time income before. Like that's my projection for it. Just that chunk of your Just that chunk. Yeah. At least 70%. Because that is something that's more repeatable on a monthly basis. Like that's just kind of the nature of it. Like people who, when people sign up, it's a minimum three month commitment. Often at least enough of them will renew that it's not like every three months I'm having to replace all those people. That's one element of it. And then I am doing like course launches every two to three months of some kind. And even in between those like larger cohort style launches, I'm still doing like those smaller workshops. And so there's still like, I did a course January to February that I just wrapped up next month. I'm going to do a five day workshop, lower price, you know, hopefully more volume. But then in April, there's going to be like another cohort of like the main course. And so in some way there is like every month there's a launch, but they're different types and levels. It feels like you sort of had that sorted, like you had a good plan for that at least um, before you left the job. I was still terrified if that's, if that's more of what you were getting to. It was. And also like, what else were you afraid of? Like what else were your worries about jumping into this and how do they pan out? Like were yeah. they like accurate fears to have? <laughs> the money thing was still like a big worry and, you know, fear for me because Yeah, I was worried that even though I had been doing pretty well from a side hustle perspective, like in terms of revenue, I thought that I was putting so much emphasis on the revenue, like on my side hustle time to try and build up like enough savings. I was afraid that I would like, because people would say to me like, oh, look at how well you're doing with revenue on just like 40 hours a month. What if this was 40 hours a week? You're going to be able to do it. I was like, yeah, but <laughs> most of the time I spend is already on what I perceived as that revenue producing like 
content coaching courses. And so like, I don't know if like I will, you know, 4X, 5X my revenue, just like, yay, more time to focus on it uh, equals more money. And so I was worried that like I wouldn't be able to increase my income as much relative to the amount of extra time that I was spending on it. That was a big worry and fear for me. I also knew that in order to run the kind of business that I wanted to, that I was going to have to take on some expenses, you know, because I wanted to like hire an assistant. I wanted to hire an editor. I still haven't hired an editor, but like there are these things I'm like, okay, if I really want to like do this the way that I want to do it, then I'm going to have to incur expenses. What if I incur expenses and can't increase my revenue enough? Like, okay, now it's cutting into it even more. So I had a lot of worries around uh, the money side and just like, you know, you're not getting paid (laughs) every two weeks. Like you don't have, you don't have that baseline that you can kind of fall back on and be like, okay, well that, that video didn't work. That course launch didn't go as well as I hoped. I didn't find, I didn't, whatever. (laughs) Good try. (laughs) Yeah. That's not the case anymore. You know, another element of that, of it really that I was kind of worried about was just like the, the insurance side, you know, I've had insurance and as we all know, like insurance isn't just a thing in America that you can, you know, just have. And it's still like a weird thing for freelancers because you can either buy private insurance, which can be very expensive. And you kind of, I still make like way too much money to like qualify for any kind of like free stuff, which I'm fine with. Like, I don't, I don't need that. But it is like this really odd like imbalance <laughs> between like what the like healthcare options are. And we did find a resource for that. My wife and I were really worried about my wife was like, for good reason, she's like, you need to get this figured out before you go full time. That was definitely something that I realized I was worrying way too much about because like once it was done, I was like, oh, I spent like six months having that as like this giant block in my head. And it definitely, it was like, it should have maybe at most been like a six week worry. And instead it was like a six month worry. It could have even probably been like a six day worry (laughs) in reality. Those were the two big things like money and insurance, but I was way more excited about all the other things. Like when it really got down to it, I was really excited to spend more time on additional creative projects and also to, you know, just have more time, more flexibility for myself and for my family as well. Like this morning, got up, had breakfast. We went to the beach for an hour and I was like, all right, well, great. I got a podcast episode. I'm going to go, you know, see my friends and I'll work more after that. So just like the flexibility of it. And, and I know that, and I'll just uh, like, I'll wrap up the thought with this, that one of the great things about ConvertKit and Podi is that they are very flexible. Like I was never really like explicitly said or even implied like, hey, you need to make sure that you are like, because they're both remote. <laughs> you need to be on Slack at these times. Like there were very few instances of of that and they were all related to like things that I actually had to do. So I probably could have been more flexible than I allowed myself to be, but I just had it in my head as like, yeah, I can't be as flexible as even they say <laughs> that I can be. And now, who is there to stop me? <laughs> Nobody. So, yeah, my like 
mindset is freer because for better, for worse, you know, buck stops here. Matt, I did want to ask you one last thing before you went, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. I do. I am really curious about what sort of positive or negative effects the pressure, whether it's Mm -hmm. financial or otherwise, of doing this full time has done to your creativity. Because obviously before it's a Mm -hmm. side thing. There's not as much to lose. But now you've sort of built a life around your creativity and your productivity as a self-employed person, like you said, for better, for worse, stops with you. So now that I've fully scared the shit out of you by placing it, uh, putting it that way, I I just, I try to find myself in a creative space. And if I feel like this, like mounting pressure on me about like, I need to produce or else, how, how does that affect you? Yeah. Well, it's, it's nothing that I haven't thought about or experienced. Like even yesterday I was like, writing some like sales copy for the course relaunch that's going to happen in April. And I just wasn't feeling it. And it's like, I have to get something out <laughs> for this and it has to be good. It can't just be like, Hey, I have this thing. Like, I don't know about y'all. It's, I mean, like anyone listening, but I haven't had that moment yet where it's like, yeah, you know, I put this thing out here and a thousand people bought it at a hundred bucks. And I was like, wow, my life has been changed. And I didn't even try that hard. I was like, well, good for you. I'm glad the universe gave you that. (laughs) (laughs) There's that Matt Raglan, what I love. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) There are these feelings of like, this has to be good. And it kind of goes back to even like this feeling that I kind of miss from like my early vlogging days that like I just wanted to like make something and I didn't worry as much about like how I felt about it or how it would like impact or was it reaching my core avatar in the proper way and like the problems that they're facing. Am I really digging into like why this matters? Like all these questions you start to ask yourself when your livelihood is on the line. And so, yes, I definitely face that. And the answer for me is always just to try and move through it as quickly as possible. That doesn't mean immediately because like there is a value of like, you know, getting up, taking a break, like going for a walk, kind of getting a reboot for your mind and for your creativity. But the the thing when this is what you do, what I do is like you are very compelled and it's necessary to come back to to the editing board, you know, to the blank page and do like the deep hard work in many cases of like trying to pull out the best thing that you can possibly make. And especially for, I think for creators and creators who are in like, you know, you're still selling through a personal brand. Like I have like a company and we do productivity stuff, (laughs) which is a terrible pitch that I need to work on. (laughs) I have a company and we do productivity stuff. Something I need to spend some of that time on. But when I think about like, I have to come back to this and I have to like do this work because not only is it good for me, but when I put like really specific time into it, then I know that it's going to be better. It's like when you work with a really good editor as a writer, even as a video producer podcast, and they're like, oh, well, this part could have been better. Let's re-record this. Let's reshoot this. 
And I have like some more time and space for that. And so like I can send off like versions of sales copy. But the important thing is like when you get stuck to move through it as quickly as possible to get that first draft, because it does like just to, you know, tie it back to this idea of like putting in the rounds, putting in the reps. Like the challenge for me now is to be comfortable and consistent through like the second, third, fourth, fifth round of something to make it really great. And, you know, it could be that I have to like launch <laughs> on round three because I need to make some sales and I can't just like keep pushing off and be like, well, it's not ready yet. I don't have any money anymore, but you know, in two months it's going to be ready. And then in two months, like, well, I'm not really sure. So there's this tension that you face, but you just kind of make peace with it and know that when you're doing the work and when you're being consistent with it, then good things are going to happen over time because that's just the kind of company that you build and the kind of content that you create. Yeah, that, thanks for answering that question because I've always kind of like toyed, I'm sure everybody at some point has toyed with the idea of like, you know, f- screw the man, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to be, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out and do this thing for myself. And I mean, I'm sure we everybody runs up against that wall and then nobody knows what it looks like on the other side. And it's scary. So uh, that pretty much sums, I mean, I love that you came on the podcast. I mean, this is this is great. I wanted to make sure we got you while you were fresh. This is all fresh <laughs> in your mind, you know? Yeah. I don't want to get the Mad Raglan on here that's already, you know, fully successful and is just The like, one yeah. saying, oh, you know, I just launched Here's, a thousand yeah, people bought it. Yeah, 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 you know. Oh, you know, I just got up today. And something like, that uh, sales. <laughs> something that I feel like should be recognized, though, before we, like, you know, wrap up. But is that Matt talked about so many like really practical things that a lot of creators don't think about, like insurance. Like I'm sure that when you came out, you know, you weren't immediately thinking, you know, creators are thinking I'm going to go in all on my side hustle. Well, Matt has a wife and two kids, you know, like insurance is a really important thing. And I think that that is the reality of being a creator that oftentimes isn't like talked and discussed about. So I really liked the candor of this like episode and you just sharing like the realities of what it's like to be doing this at this point in your career, especially with like recognizing different challenges that maybe like the new creator might not be experiencing because yeah, that's, that's the reality of being a creator in your mid thirties when you're married with kids, you know, doctor's appointments like happen. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got <laughs> yeah. the house refinanced like two months before this happened. Like, if you're thinking about oh, this wow. and you're thinking about any like house stuff, like get that taken care of <laughs> yeah, first. Yeah. Because like anything with a house, if you work for yourself, they're like, you don't really make money, do you? I was like, no, I do. Like, here's like here are these statements. It shows that I have money. They're like, yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we have that same problem. Yeah. yeah, my wife's a nurse. I know your wife is also a nurse, but she, right. she does travel nursing. Mm-hmm. You're only ever working at a hospital for 13 weeks at a time. So they're like, right. well, you can't seem to hold a steady job. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's a traveling this job. Is the point. Yeah, it's part yeah. of the job. It wouldn't be that job if we stayed there longer than X amount of time. Uh, but they're yeah. like, uh, you guys are financially losing. Uh, you're not going to buy a house. I'm just like, okay, well, cool. Thanks. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> if there's anything that we are, that we're harping against uh, at, at ConvertKit, it's that uh, creativity and you don't have to have a nine to five. Your creativity can be your job. It is a legitimate profession. And just because it looks weird on paper, that just means they got to change the papers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Miguel. <laughs> 
Mm, Ooh, dropping dropping bombs at the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. Change the papers. Well, that's the whole reason why the I am a blogger right yep. book was yep. produced. Like that that is you and know. those of you who are not on YouTube and are listening to our podcast, I want to make sure that you guys go check out Matt's page at youtube.com forward slash Matt Ragland. That's Matt with two T's. He's not one of those one T guys. One T, two Matt. T guy. <laughs> Can't trust the one T Matt's. No. Anything else you want to shout not, out, Matt? They don't have enough time for the second T. They, they're... <laughs> They got, they got stuff to do. Yeah, my my other shameless plug is you heard me mention it a couple of times, but go to mattragland.com slash daily to be on my daily email list. There is a custom unsubscribe link for the YouTube for the uh, ConvertKit nerds in there in case you're <laughs> like, okay, well, I want to stay subscribed, but I don't want the daily emails. There's a special link in there. You can just take that option as well. That's a great <laughs> picture, Matt. You guys should go just for the photo. <laughs> you know, maybe if you don't sign up, but there we it's a go. good picture. If you're listening yeah. to the podcast, this is where you can see Fit Matt oh, on yeah. the mattrandom.com slash oh, I got I got some glamour shots taken last month. Oh, I, I it doesn't matter who we have on this podcast. You can always rely on Haley to point out how fabulous they look. She's just she's a very visual person. Yeah. Yeah. And this is our sign to wrap up because we've hit the hour mark no, no, and we have evolved into. I want to know which Hemsworth brother I look like. No one's asked me that question, and frankly, I'm maybe upset. we can do that next time, Miguel. Next time we'll get yeah. to you. How about yeah. that? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm bringing it up, guaranteed. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. And like Haley said, thanks for your your candor and like, yeah, sharing sharing all the hard stuff as well as the good stuff. I feel like as creators, we always want to shout about the good stuff and it's not so often we talk about the harder things. So oh, thanks yeah. for doing that. I'll come on anytime and talk about the good and the bad of the process. Yeah. We will hold you to that and we will see you in a future episode. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us today, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe so that new episodes appear in your podcast feed every week. And while you're at it, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. If you want to join us live for the next recording, you'll find us on ConvertKit's YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash ConvertKit every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern. This show, like everything we do at ConvertKit, is made for creators by creators. We're on a mission to help creators like you earn a living online, and we make software that helps you build and connect with an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. So to start building your audience, go to convertkit.com free and create a free account. We're looking forward to helping you on your creator journey.